Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Mom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. What are you doing so far today? Organizing. Organizing. We just recorded about that. What a how lucky for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't seem excited. <laughs> well, I'm excited because we have a guest today, Erin Schneider with Mountain Summit Coaching. Um, and I will let her give her own little bio and then we'll jump into what she does and why she's on today. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. So nice to be here. Great seeing you both. Yeah, so my name is Erin Schneider. I'm the CEO and founder of Mount Summit Coaching. I help families with neurodivergent children on their journey with neurodivergence. So really kind of taking them from wherever they're at on their journey, whether it be pre-diagnosis, early stages of diagnosis, or later in life, my goal is to help them so they are not alone and having to walk this by themselves. Cool. Um, And what made you... What made you uh, found your company? So good question. I started my company because my son, Henry, who is seven now, um, just turned seven. He is neurodivergent. He's autistic. And it was going through that early journey with him that made me feel like, wow, we, I wish there was more support systems out there. So when Henry got his diagnosis, we were pretty much given the diagnosis and then sent on our way. Here's a long list of companies to reach out to. But I had no idea. I'm like, what are all these different therapies for? Why do I? Why are you re- recommending them for my kiddo? And what's the difference between them? There was just a lot of unanswered questions, and I didn't have anybody to turn to. Um, and so, going through that and just how overwhelming it was, and exhausting, and lonely it was. I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't know how other parents do this, and we shouldn't have to do this alone. And so it was going through that, that I said, I'm going to start doing something myself. And that's kind of where I got the idea to start Mountain Summit Coaching. Awesome. That's great. Um, so we ask all our guests the same three questions. So okay. we'll, we'll go back to those. Okay. Awesome. What is something you can't go a day without doing? Oh, good question. I need to move my body every day in some sort of way. I, my, my favorite way to move my body is to get outside and go for a walk, but like the past couple of days have been absolutely freezing. And uh, <laughs> I finally got out this morning. It was nice enough. Um, but yeah, if I can't do that, then I need to do yoga or lift some weights or just do something. I, I have to move my body in some way. What habit have you found helps your brain the most? Oh, good question. Honestly, walking is like where I can really clear my mind. I don't when I walk, I don't have any headphones. I don't have anything going on. I That's just, that's my time to really just think of the day. I, I like to do like, when I'm out in nature, I can be like, I'm so grateful for things. You know, it's just my time that I can really ease my mind and get outside and just enjoy that nature. I'm That makes me really curious. So have you heard about the task positive network and the default mood network in our brains? No, no, I haven't. So a task positive network is what we all love so much to like have a to-do list and get stuff done and to be productive. 
our society loves that one. Um, the default <laughs> mode network is where most people are actually most of the time. And it's, it's like the more creative part of our brain. So it's, mm -hmm. um, it's really like the daydreaming or mind wandering. Right. But that's the part of your brain that like, that's where computers came from and cell phones and email and mm -hmm. any book you've ever read or music or right. Like anything creative paintings, all that stuff. And so um, I talk about it a lot with my clients because it's, it's actually an important part of being um, just human in general, but particularly neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people like will specifically activate it by walking the way you say that you're walking. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that's like when yours is kicking on. I'm just curious. No, I love that. Um, yeah. Cause I, that's something I talk about a lot with my clients. I'm like, get out in nature or just do something creative or, you know, just for fun. Like, you know, if maybe you like to journal or maybe you like to draw or what, whatever it is, like you just kind of want to shut your brain off a little bit. And that's where like all the creative juices start coming. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a word to put with it, but now I do. So that's awesome. The, the way it really works is that when the default mode network is on, the task positive network is off. Mm -hmm. and vice versa but for um for people who are neurodivergent specifically really people with adhd the default mode network never goes completely off it can be like quieted but it's never off mm -hmm. uh, which is really you know why it takes them like you know three hours to clean their room when it should take totally. 20 minutes right yeah or um, to fall asleep or any of that stuff yeah right exactly so awesome um what are you excited about today? Oh, good one. Well, I'm excited to be here talking to you lovely ladies. Um, I'm also excited. I have some client calls today. And honestly, client calls, when I, I have two days of, of taking client calls and a, a week, I should say. And those are like my favorite days of the week because I just love my clients so much and I love connecting and building relationships. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to today. Awesome. I don't think people realize how much coaches like really love their clients. I mean, really love our clients. Like, really, really. Yeah. I mean, you can't do this every single day if you don't enjoy the people that you're working with. And sure. yeah. Um, and I do, I genuinely love, love working with my clients. It's seriously one of the best parts of my day. Cool. So let's talk about, um, what you do a little bit like, so, um, how did you get started? So I know why you got started now, because you just mm -hmm. told us, right? But how did you go from like, we all need more support in this walk to supporting people? Mm -hmm. Great question. Mm -hmm. So my son got diagnosed at the very beginning of COVID, like what COVID Good started timing. in March. Yeah, I know, right? Great timing. And then I think we got his diagnosis in April. And, um, and so I had to just really go into research mode. As soon as I got that diagnosis, I was like, I'm a, I'm a doer. So I'm just like, all right, great. We got it. Now I'm going to, I got to get him all the services that he needs. And because it was COVID, everything took even longer. I mean, sure. so finding services takes long enough. And then it took even longer because people had shut down. A lot of companies didn't even know if they were going to open their doors again. And so it took me forever and ever. But while I was doing that, I was researching like, okay, what is OT? What is speech therapy? what are all the different services that are out there? And I just started making phone calls. I started picking up the phone and started making phone calls. And 
by doing, I started obviously educating myself. I started really listening. I got into some Facebook groups, um, listening to actually autistics, really just trying to educate myself on like, what is autism? What does my son need? What are some of the, you know, like the, the pros and the cons and like, what can I figure out that would be the best thing for him? And so by doing all that research for my son, I was also doing research for my future clients at the time and building that network and really educating myself on it. And, and so, yeah, I had, I'd started a company right before, before COVID. And then it was a health coaching company. Um, and then obviously COVID hit, my daughter was home from school. My son was home from preschool, like everything changed overnight, like everybody else. And I couldn't give the time and attention to this business that I literally had spent so much time trying to build. But it was honestly a good thing because after going through this journey with autism at the beginning, and then once I got him set up with services and we kind of got moving forward and started seeing some progress, I was like, I actually had time to breathe probably for the first time in a really long time. And that's what I decided. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start doing this. And I've already got the connections. I'm just going to start continuing to to reach out to providers and try to, you know, see what I can offer support for my family. So it really started out more consulting because I wanted to like connect families to the right providers and really support them on that. Mm -hmm. And then through the consulting, it kind of morphed into the coaching aspect of it. The more I was working with clients. Finding the right providers though. I mean, it just is so overwhelming when you first get a diagnosis that so overwhelming, right? I um, I have a like really similar story with Paige, right? Except I had to really fight for her diagnosis; nobody <laughs> would believe it, right? Because it's that typical like she wasn't running around the classroom, right? She looked like she was paying attention in class, yeah. Right? So, um, lots and of lots of personal research. <laughs> Yep. I know it's, it's so unfair too. And I, I hear this, you know, my, I always say, cause my son's lucky. I'm like, well, you're lucky you're a male because you know, you kind of got the diagnosis early and all that stuff. And I, I do, I, I, I feel for my female clients because yeah, they usually come to me around Paige's age and they're still struggling and they're still so awesome for you to be on top of it and doing it. Cause it's, it's a lot. It is there. There's a lot. So um, when did you then take on your first client? So I started officially May of 2021 is when I started my first, I took okay. on my first client. Yeah. So a year to acclimate yourself and then. <laughs> exactly. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not the type of person like, I don't, you know, I'll admit like, I, I don't know what I don't know. And so at the beginning I was still at like that deer in headlights moment. So I'm like, I can't help anybody else right now. <laughs> I got to figure this out before I can actually get there. And two, you know, you know, we went through some really stressful times with my son um, at the beginning, trying to get him the right supports and getting him to a point where, you know, he felt good and more secure. And so I had too much family stuff going on at the beginning too. Like I couldn't have given attention to any clients at that point. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that makes sense. So, um, so Tell us a little bit about like your typical kind of clients. What, what kinds of things are you doing? Yeah, great question. Um, So I see clients at all different stages. So like one client that I'm working with right now, they came to me pre-diagnosis. So their son just turned three. Their pediatrician was like, mm, you may want to think about, you know, looking at getting an assessment. Okay. And then 
they had no idea like, okay, well, where do we get an assessment? Do we, you know, a lot of parents come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I hear about, you know, all these assessments costing thousands and thousands of dollars. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot. And so they were really like, we just don't know what to do. Can we get, they also felt like they were in kind of in purgatory because that's how they, that's the phrase that they used, which I love, um, because they want to get their son services, but he doesn't have a diagnosis of anything yet. And where do we even begin? You know, so they were really struggling with that. So I was able to like coach them and like based off of their son's symptoms. I'm like, actually, I think OT would be a really great place to start. You can still go if you're willing to pay out of pocket without a diagnosis, you can still get some support and get started at least. So you're not just, um, you know, waiting in purgatory for the rest. And then while at the same time, let's get him assessed, let's start that whole process. So I work with a lot of families who are kind of that in that early stage, or they just got a diagnosis and they're like, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Um, and then there's usually kind of a gap. And then I see a lot of like teenagers, young adults, because that's usually when they're coming because their child wants to make friends and they're having a hard time making friends sure. or there's been some depression, um, maybe some suicide attempts, things of that sort. And so the parents are coming to me in an absolute panic because yeah. they want to get their child all the support that they they can get. Um, and they're also struggling because, I mean, especially if there's been any suicide attempts, it's really stressful for everybody in the family and it's very scary. And you know, they're kind of all walking on eggshells, so they don't know what to do in those moments. So that's where I can come in and really support the parents and the child in that situation. And really, um, you know, I, I like to sit down with the child if possible, if the parents are okay with that, if, and if they're okay with it and be like, what are you looking for? Like, what do you want to get? What do you want to see in friends? You know, what are some things that you really enjoy doing? Do you like video games? Do you like skateboarding? You know, what are some things that you enjoy? And then we can really work together to find the supports that they need and really coach them, the whole entire family through that process. Right. So you say the whole entire family. So how involved are like siblings? I honestly love it if I can get siblings in there too. Um, You know, it's hard. Um, Sometimes siblings are really on board and they want to be involved. Other times you have those siblings who are kind of, um, I don't want to say bitter, but a little upset because, you know, the autistic child's gotten maybe a little bit more attention because they've needed it, mm-hmm. you know, needed more supports. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so they're just kind of like, ah, no, I don't want to give any more of my time to this situation. And so we kind of have to ease into it. Mm-hmm. And so if that sibling's not on board, then I'm talking to the parents and be like, all right, here's what some things you can do to give that sibling some more attention and give them some more time. And, you know, help them understand their sibling's diagnosis and what's going on and understand that their sibling's not doing any of this to be mean or, you know, to make their lives harder. It's right. just the reality of it. So how can we support them and supporting their and all kiddos in the house? <laughs> Little cat visitor. Um, I love it. So, um, so when you're like connecting services, we so we've talked a little bit about like, or you've mentioned a little bit about like PT and OT, and I'm sure there's some speech therapy in there. Uh-huh. Um, what other kinds of services, like if a kid's coming to you at like 14, 15 years old and they want to make friends, uh-huh. what kinds of services are there out there? 
Great question. Yeah. So I hate to use the word socialization because I know a lot of actually autistics don't like that word, but that's unfortunately what a lot of the therapists are calling it. So it's like, all right, what's the correct terminology that I want to use here? But I'll use this, I'll use the therapist for the sake of just for parents understanding what it is, but it, it would be like a socialization class. And again, I'm always trying to find providers that are not trying to get neurodivergence to have to understand the neurotypical way. Like that's not the goal. I think we should meet neurodivergence where they're at and never force them into like making eye contact. You know, if there's something that they don't want to do, like you do not have to figure neurotypicals out. It's our job to meet you halfway. So I'm always trying to find providers who actually understand that and helping them. But we're also working on like life skills, like, you know, using the microwave, um, cooking their meals, things like that, that they need to have those skills anyway. So it's working with therapists who can help them in all those social social situations. Um, It's working with the individual then be like, well, what are you interested in? Like, I have a lot of clients who are like, I love drones, or I love video games. And so getting them out there and like, there's like drone classes out there that they can take. And, you know, so really trying to find ways for them to, sh- to have an interest and then they can build those friendships around that interest. Um, that's something I work with them on. Um, but yeah, animals, you know, a lot of them want to do, you know, they, they love working with horses. So let's do some hippotherapy or, you know, things like that. So there's lots of things out there. It's just really finding what those interests are and what they want to do. Right. We, um, we had a hypotherapist on, I don't know if they connected you and her, but if I haven't, I will. Okay. Her name is Amy. She does. She works at, um, front range hypotherapy. She's amazing. Okay. Um, My daughter, my other daughter has worked with her since she was seven and she's 25 now. Nice. So almost the whole time on the same, same horse. In fact, that horse is in her senior picture from high school. Um, I love that. Right. Because that's a, that is a great way to build relationships. Right. So when you're talking about like drone classes, those are just regular, like anybody could be in that class. Some of them are. There's actually a great um, totally blanking on the name of it, but there's a great nonprofit here in Colorado um, where he does these drone classes, but it's geared towards neurodivergence. So I know it's the most amazing program. I love it. And I'm, I can't believe I'm completely blanking on the name of it. I'll, I'll think of it afterwards. Um, to email but, it to me. Yes, I will. Absolutely. Oh, he's, he's lovely too. Like he's super fun. You should definitely talk to him. Um, and it is, it's all geared towards neurodivergence. I think his stepson or some, somebody like that, his girlfriend's son is neurodivergent and he had this drone background. He's worked for government and things like that. And so he actually created it. And it's, it's awesome. It's so great. That's amazing. So how do you find the organizations that you're referring to your clients? Good question. Um, it's because a lot of two part question, actually, how yeah. do you okay. find them? And then how do you suss them out to make sure that they're high quality? Yeah, really good question. <laughs> um, so I find them a lot of ways it's connections. So the more providers that I'm talking to, they're like, Oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Um, so that's one way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, it was just good old fashioned Googling. And then I'm doing research on them. Um, I'm calling them up. I always have a phone conversation with any provider. Mm-hmm. I never, if I'm going to refer a client to, I want to know who I'm talking to and who I'm referring. Uh-huh. Um, so that's super important. Um, 
and yeah, so it's just, it's honestly, my connections have built over time. I go to a lot of networking events, um, not as many anymore, but when I first started, I was going to like, obviously it was a lot of virtual at the time, but now anytime mm-hmm. I can do an in-person, I'm doing networking events, anything like that, where I can really get to know people. Um, and then I suss them out by <laughs> doing quite a bit of research. So I actually use like Facebook mom's groups um, <laughs> as one way to do research. Yeah, mom's yeah, exactly. And I'm careful with the moms groups, you know, because obviously you're always going to have those people that are just going to get on and complain about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm seeing like a lot of complaints about one company that I'm like, okay, that's a red flag. Um, I'm not going to maybe refer my client to that one. Um, again, I'm definitely having conversations. If I can, I'm going to go visit and tour the facility. So I want to know what it is. Um, and so I spent a lot of time, especially my first couple of years, I was just I felt like I was in the car all the time driving to, to, for tours and getting to know these organizations. Um, and then I also, you know, would go on to like Indeed.com and things like that. And I would look up, especially with some like ABA companies, things like that. I'm like, I want to know what the staff is saying as well. So if there's a bunch of staff that's getting on and being like, this organization was horrible, I couldn't wait to get out. Again, that's a really bad, big red flag. Because if you treat your staff poorly, how are you going to be treating your clients? Absolutely. For sure. Um, That's good. Are there, do you like for therapists, particularly since you've been through this as a parent as well, Mm -hmm. do you have like a set of questions that you use or I do figure out like what's, what's legit for like OT or. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely like, uh, especially with like ABA, OT and things like that. I'll be like, do you, what's your, you know, do you have a closed door, um, um, uh, believe, you know, like, do you have a closed door opportunity or things like that? Like what's, what's the, sorry, I'm totally blanking on it, but what is the company wide belief on that? Um, do you guys do anything with restraints, things like that? Like, I want to know, like, are you putting your child in restraints? Like that's super important. Sure. I need to know that. (laughs) Um, and that's going to be a big red flag if they say that they do. Yeah. (laughs) So absolutely. I do have a lot of questions, especially when I'm dealing with like therapists. Cause again, I get a lot of families coming to me and they're like, we need a therapist who has, understanding of neurodivergent individuals. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know, like, have you worked with these clients before? What do you do differently with them? And I love when therapists are like, yeah, we go for walks together. And that's when our therapy session is out for a walk or, you know, we'll go rock climbing or do something like that. I'm like, perfect. That's what we're looking for. I don't want a therapist who's like, we're just going to sit in the room and stare at each other. And, you know, they're going to talk when they start feeling comfortable. It's like, no, you need to, you need to do things differently. Like you need to like engage with them in a different way and, and help them and support them in that. So a lot of art therapy, Lego therapy, things like that. I'm looking for all of those things. Awesome. That's great. Um, Lego therapy. I think every boy in the world would love Lego therapy. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, um, what else do I want to know? Um, I don't know. Um, so you're working primarily with people with autism? Primarily. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they are oftentimes, I would say, autism and they usually come to me with some anxiety depression of course those are usually going to be hand in hand um Mm -hmm. there can be some adhd some dysgraphia dyslexia you know all the things um (laughs) but 
usually they have an autism diagnosis and then anything else that goes along or with working it. on getting one or working on getting one. Exactly. Yep. What do you exactly. do? What do you do when a client comes to you and says like, we have no money for out-of-pocket services. We need to work in network. It's a tough one. Um, yeah. It's a really tough one. And I'm going to be honest with them. Like I actually had a mom the other day say to me, she's like, we're in the process of my my husband starting a consulting business. Our insurance just changed and we need psychotherapy for our son, but we can only spend a hundred, no more than a hundred dollars a session. And I, I was like, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Like, it's just not going to happen. If you want a good therapist who has an understanding of neurodivergent individuals, you're going to be looking at 130 at $160 a session. And then most of them don't take insurance. You know, right. you can get sliding scales sometimes, you know, I can always ask that question for you. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll offer a super bill, you know, so like there's ways to work around it. Um, but I do, I mean, that's part of the job is unfortunately I have to be kind of upfront and honest with mm-hmm. parents and be like, you know, I get it. We're all tight. You know, there's only so much money, but let's, okay. So let's pick and choose then if, 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 if there's one service we can get, you know, maybe like, for example, occupational therapy or speech therapy, usually we can find a pretty good provider that will take insurance for those. Mm-hmm. And then if they want a really good therapist, I'm like, let's do that one out of pocket and then find you a speech therapist an OT, PT, whatever that will take insurance. Um, and then maybe we have to pick and choose. Like maybe we can't do, not that I would ever recommend five services at one time, but like maybe we can't do five services right now. So maybe we stick to two, you know, like that might be a little bit more affordable. So like I work with the parents and try to help them work through right. that. So speaking of five five, ther- five therapies at one time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you broach that conversation about like what's what's too much or what's overwhelming for that particular client, right? Because yeah. for sure it it gets to be a lot, right? Yeah. You don't want to be in therapy all the time. No. I mean, especially like kids have to live their life. Right. <laughs> yeah. And parents need to live their life too. And especially if you have a, a parent who has multiple children, that parent is probably taking, you know, kids to soccer practice, kids to music lessons. You know, it's not like it's just one child and that's well, they can give all their time to that the child. Other- the other piece really is that, you know, if one of their children has a neurodivergency, then probably more than one does. Right. right. <laughs> There's more than one kid that they're doing things for. Plus, exactly. very often, I mean, it is highly genetic. So mm-hmm. it could be that the parent is also neurodivergent, right? So Absolutely. the function skills are impacted for everybody in it. I'm sure you find this. I certainly find that it falls to the mom to be the executive function, like center for the family. Absolutely. Right? Like I often deal with like a mom who's neurotypical, but a father who's neurodivergent in some way. Mm-hmm. And then like, they'll have two or three kids and yep. you know, one or two of the kids is also neurodivergent. Right. So mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> so like, how do you figure out, like, specifically for that kid, what's too much? Or specifically for that family, what's too much? Yeah, great question. And honestly, I ask questions. And I mean, that's really the best way to get to the the bottom of anything is just get more information, get as much information as you can. And so, you know, first, I want to know, like, what's a typical day look like for you guys? What's a typical week look like for you? And if, if I have a mom who is sitting there telling me, like, okay, well, 
we've got school, you know, then we've got my son has, um, my oldest son has soccer, you know, four days a week. And then my daughter has piano lessons. And then my youngest, who is my autism kiddo, they're, you know, we're taking to therapy, doing things like that. But then I want to get those older siblings into therapy too. And, you know, so if they're telling me like they have all these things already planned, mm-hmm. then I'm going to sit back and be like, all right, well, what do you think you can handle right now? Because, you know, let's be honest, if especially when parents come to me and they're like, oh, well, our doctor says we need to do 80, 40 hours of ABA. And, you know, like they're already freaking out about that. I'm like, okay, well, hold up. <laughs> no, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. So let's just let's like make that very clear um, and talk about like how to advocate for your child in those situations. And it's like, well, what feels doable to you? Like, do you feel like you could give one hour a week to therapy? Do you feel like, like, it sounds like your after school is pretty busy. Like, so do you need somebody on the weekends? Is that what you're looking for? And really kind of educate them on, (laughs) on what they, like they don't have, and that's the thing. A lot of these parents come to me and they're like, well, our doctor said we have to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And you can kind of see that like deer in the headlights look. And they're just like, I don't know how I'm going to fit this all in. Sure. And so that's where we have to prioritize. Like, what are we really struggling with right now? Well, the meltdowns are really hard. Okay, well, great. Let's work on like getting to the bottom of why these meltdowns are happening. And I can work with parents to an extent on that. And then I might be like, okay, we need to call in an occupational therapist or we need to call in a speech therapist because maybe they're frustrated because they can't communicate. um, And that's where the meltdowns are happening. So like, all right, well, you know, so it's kind of, it's asking a lot of questions and getting to the bottom of it and really figuring out what's kind of going on. And then also knowing what the support system is. You know, I, I do... I work with a lot of wonderful parents who both are equally on board, but I unfortunately work with a lot of moms who are kind of taking the heavy load. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've walked single parents, things like that. So it's like, what's your support system and what can you handle? Right. For sure. Um, I coach a lot about like who's on your team with my clients, right. Working directly with clients who have um, autism or ADHD or whatever. Yeah. Um, But but we all need a team, right? Especially, especially moms. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much. Um, so much. Um, what about like, I don't know if this even happens. Um, what about parents who are like really gung ho? Like, let's just jump. Like they have only this one child and this child has autism. And <laughs> maybe I've had this happen probably three times since I've started my practice. I've coached middle school boys who have autism who were adopted. Yep. And so the parents were completely clueless, have no frame of reference about autism. Yeah. And they sort of like want to jump in with both feet for like all the services now to like do everything for their kid and their kids like, yeah, hold up. Right. Absolutely. What's that conversation look like that you have with parents? Yeah. So I'm, I'm usually pretty, honest with my parents. I mean, I I have to always kind of be delicate about how I say things, but, um, but I'm usually pretty honest with my parents and I'm going to tell them, be like, this is too much for your child. It's just too much. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my son, so he gets, he has an IEP, so he gets services at school and then we have feeding therapy one day a week and then music therapy because he loves music. Like that's his thing. He loves to drum and do all that stuff. So like, that's like his really fun one. And then we told him like, you have to do swimming 
right now because you need to learn how to swim. Like that is just a major safety issue. Um, that's something like you, you just have to do. Um, and it's taken a really long time because he's very sensory. He gets very sensory overload with like water on his head, things like that. So, so it's taking a very long. Yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and you know, and that's the thing, but it's like, we just want to know, like, if you accidentally fell into a pool, you would be able to get out, you know, like that is the main thing that we worry about. So, um, so he has three things during the week and, when he's having a really hard time, we cut back. So we'll take him out. Like we'll definitely take him out of swimming. Like if he's having a really hard week, be like, yep, you don't have to go this week. Uh-huh. Um, but for that works for my son, some people that's going to be even too much. So it's really like listening to your child. And that's the thing I want to educate parents on, like learning about their child and listening to those clues that their child is giving them. Um, you know, for example, my son just went through last week, he went through a stage where he did not want to go to school. We checked with teachers, you know, we talked to my son, make sure there's no bullying, anything like that. He was just having a really hard week. And his teacher was like, no, he's actually doing really well, but he is giving a lot more attention to schoolwork right this week. And so I, I, I knew it was going on as he's coming home exhausted from school because he's giving even nobody was forcing him. It was just what he wanted to do that week, but he was giving his all at school. And so we really had to like pull back on everything else. So no OT, no swimming. We kept music. Cause again, that's like his one therapy. He's like, yep, I really want to do that. Um, and so it's really, it's, it's educating parents and like, well, listen to the clues that your child is giving you because they're always communicating, whether it's verbal or, or, you know, body language, whatever's going on, they're always communicating. And so, if a parent comes to me and says, I want to do all the things, because, you know, the, you, you have like early intervention, doctors will tell you, like, you've got to do everything now. Yeah. Get in there now. Yeah. It's like, Hold up. No, you don't. <laughs> let's figure out what works for you and let's figure out what works for your child. And it's really educating them and, and helping them. I like parents to keep journals and be like, just write down stuff that you're noticing for your child, because usually there's a pattern mm-hmm. and we need to get to the bottom of that pattern. Because again, behavior is just a community, a form of communication. So like if your child's having a really hard time, that's their way of communicating to you that they need support. So let's figure out what's going on. Nice. Um, do you have favorite books or, um, or other, like you said, you do a lot of social media, right? So are there like YouTube channels that you think are really great or, um, podcasts that you think are really great? Yes. Great question. And of course, you're putting me on the spot and I can, I'm the worst at like remembering the names of things. Um, but absolutely. Um, I really like neurotribes, um, which is a wonderful kind of history of autism. Steve Silverman is, Mm -hmm. I love him. I follow him on social media. He's not autistic himself, but he's very well respected in the autistic community. Um, it is a good book. Yeah. It's a great book. I love that one. Temple Grandin. I mean, my gosh, she's just, I loved her. I, I was a, I'm a former dog trainer. And so I've been following Temple Grandin for years because she's huge in the animal industry. Um, and then it was fun, like kind of seeing the transition into autism and like getting to follow her through all these different years. Um, I love her. There's a great book I just read. Oh God, the first name of the author is Dylan. Unmasking Autism, I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that book. Oh uh, yeah, I've been fabulous. 
fabulous book. Highly recommend it. Um, he gives a just really great insight into, into autism. Um, again, actually autistic, um, and just really good stuff. So I'm always trying to read the actually autistic authors and follow along. Um, same with social media. There's lots of, I mean, there's so many great social media ones. Um, neurodivergent rebel. She's one I follow. Um, she's great. She and her partner, they're both autistic and they are in an RV and they just go around. They actually spend a lot of time in Colorado. Cause she said one of her special interests is, is Colorado. So she's been spending a lot of time here, um, awesome. which I love. Yeah, I know. I'm like, that's a great special interest. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, have you heard or read, uh, the book, um, autism and heels? Oh. No, I haven't heard of that one. It's by Jennifer O'Toole. Okay. Uh, and it's, and then you can also like Google this, but I'll attach it. I'll put it in the, in the description for this. Okay. She has a chick list checklist because What's that? Uh, it's, well, <laughs> it's just like a list, but like from a, a female point of view, right? So like when you're testing for autism, it might be that like, like some of the questions are, some of the questions are like gender bias, right? They'll be like, does your, totally. does your child line up their cars in a line? Well, not yep. if they're a girl necessarily, um, yep. but her Barbie dream house is completely organized. Yep. Right? And if right. I need something in her Barbie dream house, she has a meltdown. Right? Totally. Yeah. So, so it's a checklist that's very much like, no, let's, let's look at this from a female point of view. Mm-hmm. Because women often um, have special interests that are more typical for their age. Yeah. And it changes more. So it's not like a lifelong obsession with like trains or cars or drones, but it could be like, I really like this boy band and now mm-hmm. I really like makeup and now mm-hmm. I really, right? Um, yeah. And so, um, so it's a, it's a great book. Um, Love to read that. For specific to women. Right. Um, who I think definitely don't get quite as much, um, quite as much support. Right. And she really no. talks very openly in the book about like things that we don't talk about, like a lot of women, because they don't understand manipulation, get manipulated very easily or their sexual abuse. Yep. Lots of Absolutely. abuse. Um, yep. so yeah. And, and people are always like really, really surprised, um, about that. Um, yeah. And then there's this guy, he's in, he's from England, but he has a podcast or a YouTube channel. It's both, um, called the Aspie world. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah. ADHD and autism. Okay. And a bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah. he's, he's great. So I'll put links. Awesome. On things that we yeah, about. please. I would love to, sh- I would love to, I'm always listening for good books to read or good podcasts to listen to. So absolutely. Um, and so how can people get a hold of you? I'll also put it in the description. So, so I just want to clink a link, but some people right. like the audio version. So why don't you tell us how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on social media so they can find me. Um, I'm primarily on Instagram. So at mountain summit coaching, um, they can also find me at my website, mountain summit coaching.com. And, um, yeah, they can schedule a call with me there and, um, yeah, same with on social media. You can, I have a link in my bio that they can click on and schedule a call directly from there as well. Cool. Awesome. Um, 
Any last thoughts, any questions I didn't ask I should have that you want to give the answers to? No, I, this has been so fun. I just, I love, I love talking to other people about the neurodivergent um, community because it's just such a fun community and I really enjoy all the people that I meet. So thank you for what you do, Sheila. And, um, and for, for both of you for having me on today, it's been really fun. Absolutely. All right, Paige, say goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at thendtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to theneurodiversetoolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.